Welcome back to season 11, episode 9 of the Digital Orthopedics Podcast, where we bring you the extraordinary lectures from the Docus of Experience 2023. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini, and I will be your host for the podcast. In our next episode, we will hear from the second set of companies going through the Health Hub UCSF DocSF Bone Tank and the compelling and incredibly well-qualified panelists that will quiz these companies and put them through their paces. So welcome them all to the DocSF stage. Hi everyone, I'm Hamza, the CEO and co-founder of Stable, and we are a digital health platform moving post-op recovery from a clinic to a patient's living room. By end of day today, statistically speaking, there are gonna be nearly 20,000 orthopedic surgeries performed in the nation contributing to the 7 million for the year. And a lot of those patients are going to get home and be left with just one thing, a single sheet of paper showing them the recovery protocol that they need to follow from home to recover from their surgery and stay on track with what needs to be done. However, as of right now, only 30% of these protocols are being completed by the patients, exposing them to significant adverse health effects like chronic conditions, limited and suboptimal outcomes coming out of surgery, and at worst case, the need for revision surgery. So to better end, collectively, these healthcare costs are costing health systems $36 billion every single year. So to better help patients recover from surgery wherever they may be, but still stay connected with their clinical staff at the operating hospital, we launched Stable. Stable is a digital health platform using live motion analysis in the form of computer vision technology to facilitate a patient's post-operative recovery entirely from home. Using all of the accessible devices they have at home in the form of a laptop, tablet, or even their cell phone, we're able to track their joints while they perform their recovery exercises, analyzing it for their range of motion, exercise adherence, and overall joint biomechanics. We also incorporated patient-reported outcome measures and clinical assessment scores to give clinicians a holistic understanding of how that patient's recovery is going while it's entirely being done from home. To date, patients using Stable's platforms have reported over 80% adherence to our recovery protocols, clinical outcome scores 11 points higher than industry average, and have been able to transition at least two follow-up visits to telehealth using the data that we provided their clinician, giving them the comfort to do so over telehealth solutions. We're currently participating in a randomized controlled trial, NYU Langone, which is showing promising results that stable is equal to, if not better than, traditional in-person physical therapy coming out of orthopedic surgeries. We expect that abstract to be submitted to the Academy in the coming months and hoping to be presenting there as well. We're also collaborating with Medicaid hospitals to get this into as many patients' hands as possible as we're promising accessibility to post-op recovery, not just the bottom line behind it. And we're looking forward to piloting within the VA in the coming months as well, which has been cleared and soon to be rolling out. Unlike traditional solutions out there on the market in the RPM or physical therapy space, Stable is expanding that patient-provider relationship that is built throughout that surgical process. Our commitment to remote monitoring has allowed clinicians to adopt our solution and engage their patients in a more effective way to generate better outcome results. Our insurance reimbursable model has guaranteed alignment between the patient and the provider, allowing them to be rewarded for their time, but also we are committing to reducing the caseload on their end. The nurse on our end does the day-to-day monitoring, sending reports to these clinicians, allowing them to not only bill insurance, but having them do so automatically as well by engaging their patients. Dr. Siddiqui was the earliest adopter of one of our solutions and has generated over $12,000 of revenue using Stable. He's not only billed to Medicare, but he's billed to private insurers as well. And we have the data behind that to show that he's growing his practice by onboarding his patients to Stable's platform, but also automating the recovery and building a reputation behind being able to manage patients' recovery entirely remotely and giving them the comfort to do so from home as well. 
In our earliest cohort of patients with Dr. Siddiqui, we did take a lot of the pre-surgical activity levels, allowing us to prove that Stable is engaging with these patients effectively remotely and really using the general basis of what a total hip or total knee patient would be looking like right now, making sure that we're not just attracting that lowest age of patients, we're really able to address the needs and the demographics of all of them today. We look forward to answering any of your questions um, if you have one for us, but thank you so much, guys. Good afternoon. Thank you. My name is Kieran McCord. I'm CEO of MoveUp.Care. We were started by an orthopedic surgeon in Belgium actually over six years ago, given he saw the gaps in care from the traditional standard of care and wanted to apply a digital platform. So we've created a digital platform for capturing patient data. The platform is also available to provide care for patients. We have done all the heavy lifting in terms of regulatory approval. We are FDA registered software as a medical device, CE marked, etc. We've also taken that data and turned it into a predictive analytics model to really help the surgeon make better clinical decisions. So why should you care? Because data is considered the fourth pillar of care. So what we do is we capture the patient data seamlessly. We have a wearable, low-cost device, actually, which the patient can wear pre- and post-operatively. And with that data that's fed into the cloud, the surgeon can and the PTs can work together to ensure that the patient's care is well managed. We've also proven that with that data, we can empower the surgeon to make better clinical decisions and improve outcomes. We've also applied a little bit of AI to this data. So for example, where a patient is not moving enough after surgery, the platform can nudge the patient to move more where them and say, for example, reduce the risk of thrombosis, where the patient is moving too much and the risk of injury is increased uh, the platform can nudge the patient to move less. So this is the beginning of the sort of AI application in orthopedic digital care, we believe. As a quotation I like there, if your orthopedics company may not be in the software business, but eventually a software company will be in your business. We tried to really focus on the practical elements of how we can help a surgeon in practice. So we've done some clinical research. We've shown that uh, by using the system, we can reduce visits by over 80%. A saving, of course, a considerable amount of money, particularly where you have bundled payments. The system also generates post-operative data to which can really better predict surgical outcomes. This is probably my favorite example of what the platform can do. So think of this, that the patient has an app, they can take a picture of the wound, and that gets triaged up to the physical therapist. And then the physical therapist, if they see any issues based on the pain levels, based on the medication that they're seeing from the patient through the in-app medical questionnaires, they can try that to the surgeon. And that's actually a picture of a surgeon looking at a wound on our system. All of this, of course, is in a software as a medical device system. It's all HIPAA compliant, etc. The other speakers have spoken about the potential for remote therapeutic monitoring revenue. That's something, of course, that we can do as well. These are some of our, if you like, some of our showcasing some of our technology. We can do some of the range of motion and gait analysis. We automatically pick up the six-minute walking test, for example, because the patient is wearing the wearable. I mentioned the AI treatment there. And then there's a picture of the app in terms of what we call the closed-loop system. So that essentially, the patient gets exercises based on where they are in their treatment. We've captured pain levels, medication, etc., giving a full picture for the surgeon in order to actually make better decisions for the next surgery. One of our really nice applications here is we call this our move-up index. Essentially, we are able to predict whether a patient would be a good candidate for surgery or not. We take over 120 data points, we analyze that, we put it into an algorithm, 
And essentially, it allows the surgeon to sit down with patient and say, look, your expectations are misplaced. The surgery may not be suitable for you. And this, of course, is good for the surgeon in the sense that it reduces dissatisfaction, etc., and improves referrals, etc. Finally, we've done a lot of work on the clinical validation of the platform. So we published an RCT, but we've a lot of papers out there showing, for example, reduction in complications, reduction in visits, I mentioned, reduction in length of stay, and high compliance. And 90% of patients say they would do it again. We are in a major hospital systems in Europe. We're just coming to the US this year. These are just some of the quotations which I like because remember, this is a system where you have the surgeons, the PTs, and the patient really working off one platform to improve outcomes. And in this case, the surgeon says this way we can better predict patients' post-operative, post-surgery experience, including the occurrence of pain or resuming activities. And then the patient said they would do it again, and the PT sees benefits as well. So in conclusion, it's clinically proven. It's a flexible solution. We are either SaaS or services-based. We reduce complications, also very good for proms and AI. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Blaine, and thank you, Stefano, for the opportunity to pitch Upswing Health today. My name is Steve Schusser. I'm an orthopedic surgeon, CMO, and co-founder of Upswing. And with my partner, Dr. Jay Kimmel, both of us have a great experience in clinical practice and a track record of success in building orthopedic centers of excellence. We knew that there's a better way to deliver orthopedic care, and that's why we designed Upswing Health. We also believe that if the metamorphosis of healthcare is to succeed, that primary care needs to be the epicenter of that transformation. And for us as a company to succeed, we're going to have to invisibly integrate interoperably with existing workflows and CRMs. So the orthopedic market is enormous. One in three of us will have an orthopedic incident every year, costing payers $420 billion in annual costs, not to mention the exorbitant cost of loss of productivity. Typically, orthopedics, call an MSK, accounts for one of the top three categories of planned spend. So it's an enormous market, yet unfortunately, 25 to 40% of the spend can be attributed to low value, no value, inefficiency, and waste. But why? Well, there are many reasons, but one of the prime reasons is when patients have a moment of pain, the first thing out of their mouth is, where do I go for care? And typically today, more often than not, they'll get that care from a primary care physician, an ER, or an urgent care, launching them on the wrong pathway from the very first moment. So Upswing is different. We built a company so patients could have immediate access 24-7 to our symptom assessment algorithms, which duplicates, replicates the kind of relationship I would have with any of you, asks a series of questions, generates a differential, and then offers them several opportunities with self-help tools and rehabilitation techniques. Seven days a week, 12 hours a day, they have access to our Upswing coaches. And within 24 hours, they can communicate with one of our orthopedic specialist. So we have found that with that, we can resolve 75% of low and medium acuity MSK problems, harmonizing the best of technology with the human touch. The results of a recent 15-month pilot we performed, the State of Connecticut Health Plan, access to 25,000 patients, showed that the patients that use Upswing had 38% fewer encounters than those who don't, and we saved our client $1,100 uh, per engaged member. So the MSK space is flush with solutions. We all know that. And why we are different is three ways. One, we provide our patients with immediate access to actionable information about their condition. Two, we launched them on the correct pathway right from the start. 
And three, with our emerging relationships with national orthopedic practices, we can now manage from end-to-end, full spectrum, the majority of orthopedic conditions. We are not a point solution. We want to be a full-spectrum orthopedic solution. So I thank you, Blaine and uh, Stefano, for that opportunity. And we'll get the groups up and we're going to do quick questions. I'm going to start with upswing. So are you going to sell payers? Tell me about your journey. I love what you're doing. It's next generation telehealth with AI focused on a great vertical. Who's buying and why? With what? Who's paying for it? Who's paying? Are you going to sell payers? I mean, I could say payers. I can't imagine you selling clinics or doctors directly because it's disruptive. So our market currently is twofold. One is with the self-funded employer space, their ecosystem of employee benefits, consultants, brokers, and consultants in that self-funded employer space. Of course, in that case, the payers act as a TPA. We're also very interested in working with advanced primary care models. Any organization that's taking risk will want to work with us. If they're not, they don't. We have primary care relationships, and in fee-for-service primary care, we're viewed as a competitor. But suddenly, when they're taking risks, they're saying, wait, we really can't manage MSK. So I follow up with MoveUp then in order to take the right line. My question goes into the direction of this pre-operative assessment of the patients, because this is something where we surgeons still feel that we're the best. And you have now 180, if I remember correctly, items where you evaluate whether a patient is already up for surgery or not. Is that correct? We have 120 data points. One, which we 120, yes. okay, sorry. So which kind of items did you choose for that? And how do you decide whether a patient is already up for surgery? Thinking of a patient coming to the outpatients in pain with a hip arthritis, and of course you want to condition these patients with anemia and this stuff, but I can't remember 120 items that I... No, no, so this data is, we capture some of the data from the patient, first of all. We also get the data from, say, imaging and et cetera. So through the algorithm, we're essentially trying to manage the patient's expectations, figure out if they're a good candidate or not. We come up with a scoring system, and if that scoring system from the PROMs and from all the questions cannot be doubled by the surgery, then we recommend the surgery does not go forward. It's not to say that ultimately, you know, it's up to the doctor and patient ultimately to decide, but it gives the surgeon a way of communicating with the patient, for example, that they may not be the best candidate for surgery. It's a mechanism. It's even more revolutionary than I thought. Yeah. So in which categories you would place these items? You, you said imaging? There's psychometric questions, there's PROMS questions, there's imaging, there's x-ray, there's, you combine all these things together, we do a score, and then from that score you determine if the patient, again, it's more about revolutionizing the communication between a patient and a surgeon rather than just making a didactic recommendation. But for example, we've proven if a patient is over four on the test, I mean, it's still, you know, we're not trying to replace the surgeon or anything, but if it's, if they're over four, then they're much more likely to be a good candidate for surgery because their expectations will be doubled by the implant surgery. If they're below that, you're setting it up for failure. So I'm going to direct back actually to upswing. Um, kind of two questions. One is very interesting concept, by the way, we see so challenging to even get in and get started in the process. A couple month delay with, you know, to get appointments, et cetera, sometimes. So how many clients do you have right now and what's the average revenue per client? That's kind of the first question. And the second is, if you raise the capital that you were looking to raise, how would you deploy it to achieve 
how you define success and what is success to you? That's a great question. Our primary client right now is State of Connecticut Health Plan, so we're managing 225,000 members, which is keeping us quite busy. We also have an OC Health relationship. We have a, a relationship with a primary care practice in Connecticut. We're in 20 states right now. We're really looking to move into the APC, VPC space, because it's very interesting. And this is, we've had these conversations with these primary care practices. You know what they say? You and Jay are a little different than many orthopedic surgeons. I don't know why they say that, but they're a little threatened by interacting with orthopedic surgeons. Yet we offer tremendous value for them. They don't really know how to manage MSK. What are we looking for for, for money? We're looking for a 1.5 million interim raise now to get us to Series A. What would you do with that? How would you deploy that capital? Rebuilding our technology. It's a half million dollar investment. We need to finish that. We need to set up in some additional states. We need to hire a chief technology officer. Right now, our technology is being built in France. That's really what is in to cover operational costs. Question for Stable. How do you see your role in triaging? I guess there's data. There's 143 million musculoskeletal complaints that go unanswered. How do you address that market? It seems like it's an open market that surgeons don't see that. Do you find there's an opportunity there? Yeah, for sure. So we started off with our niche in that post-op space and we let our surgeons and kind of like their clinical expertise guide the way we build out the product and the protocols as well. And so that's really allowed us to expedite the way that they're being adopted by the clinician and the patients as well as that they're contributing to the protocol design and they're the ones passing it off to their patients as well, which is allowing us to expand within their clinical coverage and making sure that's being used immediately as opposed to us ineffectively building product and building exercises that will never be adopted by the clinician because they don't have the approval and they really don't want to adopt on their side as well. Can you explain a little bit more about how successful you think the reimbursement model will become? Yeah, so for sure. So we've already gotten the data of reimbursements coming in. Medicare has already been pretty successful and continuous in the way that's being paid out. Private insurers, it comes down to, you know, the relationship the clinician has with that insurance company the way they're being adopted as well. And so we're already collecting which plans and which codes in what states as we continue to look to expand to really be intuitive on how that's being adopted. And what documentation do you need for the reimbursement? So we already let the clinician know the timestamp behind it as well, the codes and the time spent on the platform as well. In the event of an audit coming in, they have all the data trail being used along with the engagement with the patient as well. All of that is being facilitated by our platform and our team as well. So it's not adding additional work and caseloads for that clinician as well. Everything's there for them for a data trail and along with the reimbursement side of things, which we notify their team on. All of these companies are incredible. Thank you guys for uh, presenting. I have one other question about upswing. I was a private practice sports medicine for 25 years and ATCs are the backbone of what we do, but the number of misdiagnoses from ATCs is staggering. And I noticed on your slide that you mentioned screening by an orthopedic surgeon, but on the slide it said ATC. And I just wanted to clarify that point. On or, care. Who our coaches are? Yeah. What's the role of a coach? I thought this was a triage company. No, we actually manage these conditions as well. Ongoing. It's a little bit misleading because we do triage them in the appropriate care path. But as you know, athletic trainers can't deliver medical advice. So they will review the patient's algorithms, their responses, and guide them on a rehabilitation protocol. And what's unique is you and I can't check back with the patient every two days. They do check back electronically with the patient. How do you do? They actually look at their exercises, make sure they're performing it right. And then every day, our chief clinical officer will then go into their notes and attest that they're staying in their lane. Because you have to be careful about that. But, you know, our orthopedic specialists are primarily primary care sports medicine docs. They do a fabulous job. Anything else I go? I think we're done. Everyone, thank you so much. 
Thank you for listening to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. If you find the talks as incredibly informative and topical as we did, please do share this podcast with your friends and leave us a nice review on your podcast player of choice. It would mean a lot to us if you did. 